0: You read the Bible, Greg, talking to me. I'm a long sample, so Keep up. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're
1: Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude.
2: I don't know how to put this,
0: but I'm kind of a big deal. Well
2: <laughs> So
1: what
0: you want? Jesus freak. I got a bad feeling about this. The guy with the plan. Each and every man under my command owes me one hundred national scouts. <laughs> bitches, right? Oh wow! Thank you for that.
3: Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing podcast for Sunday, May seventeenth, two thousand and twenty. This is episode number seventy-two, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris, and I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we will be reviewing the 2008 film *Synecdoche, New York* as part of our Hall of Fame series. We'll also talk about some other things that we watched and just whatever else comes up along the way, like how the mountain would beat the fuck out of Conor McGregor in a fight. <laughs> Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. How are you guys doing this week?
2: Not bad.
0: Good. I got my bike out today. Where'd you go? Bicycle, not motorcycles for the listeners. Um, it was... yeah, Chris is not cool. <laughs> I went around the block and I wiped out in the first, like, two yeah. and a half minutes.
3: Did you actually? <laughs> yeah, I did. So is riding a bike not exactly like riding a bike?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it took some, some catch up before I finally got going. Because what happened was, is we live off of this Riverside Street and then like two houses down is uh, Forest Avenue. So that's like one of the busiest streets in Portland and I go over here to Riverside and people are just zooming up Forest Avenue and, and I take a turn and I hit this patch of dirt and the inside of my tire also swipes the curb. So my bike slips out from under me and then I... Having the know-how to say, oh, gosh, I'm wiping out here. i got to make this as comfortable as possible. Turn my body. So instead of landing on my side, I land on my chest and my moves. And then I go boom, boom, boom. And I kind of skid forward like a rock.
2: That's hilarious. Mm -hmm.
0: Then I pick up my bike and I go home. I fix her up. I take her out again. And I'll tell you what. Now I'm an absolute champion. Icarus, right. I
2: fell on my bike. My knee. Because you should treat Forrest have, like, a game of Frogger and just see if you can, like, slide down into traffic and beat all the cars.
0: <laughs> Guys, I swear I was really good at this game as a kid. Just give me a chance, okay? No. But uh, I am going to take on Neil Armstrong's record for most Tour de France wits. Really? You know, Neil
2: Armstrong was even- a Tour de France champion? After he landed on the moon? That's pretty ah. impressive.
0: There's, like, a couple of them. I always get mixed up.
3: I Dude, get... You only you only need one to beat Lance Armstrong's record.
2: Because they all got taken from
0: him. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's a little asterisk next to his name, but, like, it's oh, it's fine. I can beat him. If you think I'm not taking steroids when I do this pursuit, you're dead wrong. I'm definitely going to be...
2: Christos are taking steroids two years ago in preparation to start this.
0: Yeah, I figured I would have it built up in my body before I started going to the gym. You know, smart moves. thinking ahead.
1: Does
3: In that Icarus documentary, do they talk about how many, like, spots in the races you have to go before you find someone who's not taking steroids?
0: I don't think so.
2: No, because, like, what do you... he talks to the guy, like, about how to beat the tests.
3: Oh, how do you beat the tests? Like,
2: the, the Russian guy is, like, supposed to be coaching him on how, like, on, like, dosaging so that he can fly under the radar of, like, the testing. Hmm. How do you beat the test?
0: I never really get into that.
2: Yeah, I don't really think they want to, like, tell people how you beat the steroid
0: tests. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's too bad. Jake's sitting there taking notes.
3: Yeah, I am. I've got a like, Google Doc up. I was hoping <laughs> to learn. Oh, bummer, dude.
0: Bummer. Bummer.
3: Well, yeah. I'm sorry that you wiped out your bike, though, Chris.
0: That's ah, okay. Shit happens. Did you get any... Did you, like,
3: bruise yourself? Cut yourself up?
0: Oh, gosh, no. That's where the cat-like reflexes come into play. Knowing how to wipe out... Is the first thing I learned when riding a bike. The hard way. (laughs) Learn (laughs) it.
3: Did Alyssa laugh at you?
0: She wasn't there, thank goodness, because I went down the block.
3: Well, when you
2: told her about it after the fact that she laughed.
0: Yeah, and she said she wanted to be there so she could point and laugh at me with everyone else.
2: (laughs) You should put a GoPro on your bike so we can actually see it when you fall.
0: Listen, you supply the GoPro and don't make me pay for it as soon as it breaks. I will gladly do that.
2: <laughs> you should actually get the 360 cameras so that like, we can see you and you falling at the same time.
0: And you will know Because like, the thing is is that, yeah, sure, you'd laugh. But then you'd watch it again to laugh. And eventually it would lose its luster. And the superior, uh, uh, superior ability to wipe out that I have would then come to you and you wouldn't be laughing anymore you would be amazed
2: until i have this really nice compilation video you wiping on your bike <laughs> then it would just, be funny again
0: just one person <laughs> just one person normally you go to youtube and you see like a bunch of people from a bunch of different videos but no it's just this one guy <laughs> yeah yep. but same bike i used to ride to work every day so it's kind of cool
3: Chris, if you were – do you think if you were an actor, do you think you'd do your own stunts? Like if you had to wipe out on a bike in a movie, do you think you would do it yourself?
0: Well, going down a mountain, probably not. But if I was like going on the side of the street, sure. Why not?
2: If you were a Tom Cruise and you were trying to film a movie in space, would you actually do it? No. Would you like-
0: Tom Cruise is an absolute nut job for doing his own stunts that he does.
2: He does that
3: he does that for my entertainment.
0: He yeah, doesn't no. have to, but he does. No, he goes the extra mile, which good for him on the Mission Impossible movies. Unfortunately, just about everything else he's done is absolute garbage, but that's I'm really,
3: okay. I'm really intrigued about what this means about him filming a movie in space. It's gonna be amazing, whatever it is.
0: He didn't go to space.
2: No, he wants to. Him and NASA are working together to shoot a movie in space. He's He's in talks with Elon Musk to be a part of his space program so that he can film a movie legitimately in space. Is it an entire movie or a scene for a movie? I don't know. It could be just a scene. Hold on. If
0: you're going to space, you're not filming just one scene. There's no way.
2: Because it's not – like it's something like –
3: If it's just, like, the day in and days out of, like, a house, of, like, a room cleaner on the International Space Station, and that's Tom Cruise's role, that's not as cool.
2: Do you really think Tom Cruise would sign up to be a cleaner in space? Maybe. If the
3: cash is right, you know, he's got to funnel that money to Scientology.
2: I hope it's about him flying to the moon. So that he can destroy Sputnik that America can be number one in space.
3: <laughs> Whatever it is, is gonna be. He's gonna get paid a lot of money for it, cause David Miscavige really needs some funds coming in.
2: I, I love Scientology.
0: Not... Is that like a legitimate statement, or is that just like a <laughs> joke? Like I can't. I wasn't able to pick that up there.
2: Interpret it however you want.
0: I'm gonna go with you're a Scientologist.
2: That's fine.
3: I would love to know the amount of people who still sign up for Scientology despite all the shit that's come out about it through documentaries and whatnot in the last ten years. Probably still a lot. I wanted I wanted to see some numbers.
0: I want to know how much money they have coming in per year.
2: A lot. At least... I don't know. Probably like at least $35. It's a lot. <laughs>
0: That's a money. true statement. $35. <laughs> it's very true. At least. And are they like... On, is it just America? Or are they like branching No,
2: they're out? all over the world. Really? Yeah. Uh. You're such a yeah. doghead. You should know that. Dude, <laughs>
3: straight, I think millions and millions of dollars a year.
0: It's gotta be more than that, right?
3: I don't think it's at a billion. A
0: hmm. hundred million. I don't know.
3: He's genius. But it's a stupid amount of money.
2: It's absolutely genius.
0: A great business model. Would he, recommend.
2: He got a bunch of Talkers to give them all their money and then convince the federal government to make them tax exempt so that he can just sit on it all. He's like, I can do it.
3: Yeah, and like buy Tom Cruise girlfriends and penthouses and whatever he wants. What else are you going to do with millions of dollars? Yeah, you just shower your, your pride and joy. I would. Like, how do you feel that Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist?
0: Wait, what?
3: I don't feel one way or another about it. No. Elizabeth
0: Moss is a Scientologist.
2: Behind closed doors is her business,
3: not mine. Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist. Yes.
2: Wow. Look, I got four dogs, for it, but I can't be worrying about what Elizabeth Moss is doing in her home. Listen, I, I don't care.
0: Shit. I don't care if they're Scientologists. I just want to know. What do they know that I don't?
2: You have to join to find out.
0: That's the thing. Is that like, is it worth the like monthly subscription or whatever for like, even temporarily? Is it one of those situations where like, once you're in, you're in, and you can't get out? Or See, is it like
2: that is something that only you can answer? You'd have to sign up and start figuring out if it's worth it or not.
0: Is this like my? No, never mind. <laughs> is this like, is this my next mission? To infiltrate Scientology? Wait,
2: your next mission? What was your first one?
0: Oh, shit. I've said too much.
3: <laughs> it would be really cool if they could do, like, a like a trial program. Like, they do, like, Netflix or something. You could do it for, like, a week free. And then you <laughs> had to opt out.
0: That sounds like a good idea. I feel like they would make a whole bunch of money that way. Even from just people who are curious.
2: Which, speaking of... to make a bunch of money from free week trials?
3: Yeah, speaking That's- of... I fucked up and forgot to cancel my Apple Plus. (laughs) So I got charged for the month.
2: I got a whole year for free.
0: I canceled it as soon as the movie was over.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I meant to do that,
3: and I was like, yeah, I'll remember. And then I did not. So now I've got Apple TV Plus that I've not logged on to once.
2: I set a reminder so that it will notify me on... the exact day that I'm supposed to be charged, and then I will cancel it. Maybe if I don't watch anything, I'm going to keep it for a full year.
0: You're is not going be, to watch anything. There's nothing. There's not going to be anything that goes on there worth watching.
3: Are they doing movies or is a lot of TV shows?
2: Does it like Tim Cook to you? I don't know.
0: The only things that I've seen advertised for it are like original content. Yeah. Maybe I
1: want
3: to watch the new M Night Shyamalan series. Yes, guys. I don't know. Yeah, this guy's a really good fucking podcaster. Trying, okay. to, throw him, trying to throw him questions, get some conversation brewing. what am I, fucking Tim Cook? Next question. I
2: don't know. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not answering questions that you could easily find out yourself. You're still a subscriber. You can just go look to see what they have.
3: Uh, again, it, we're now, running you said, a
2: podcast here, that we're
3: recording, creating discussion. It leads into more discussion. So I didn't realize kind our of- – so Our had discussion was about block, like, the Apple the TV programming.
1: Cook? I'm not
2: damn cock.
0: Apple just, like, TV
2: and loathing. This is what this is now, I guess.
0: Are we just going to brush off that Zach said that he was curious about watching the new M. Night Shyamalan series? Or didn't even say he was curious. Said, what if I wanted to watch the new M. Night Shyamalan series? Like, that's going to fucking happen.
3: Yeah, but don't ask I'm him not. about it. Don't ask him about it. What
2: am I, a fucking M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> viewer? No, if you said, "Hey, is that what you would want to check out?" then then that is discussion on what is on said platform. Like, you want me to just list you a bunch of titles and with no context of what they are? That's real riveting stuff.
0: I just have fucked. I just have a hard time believing that you would watch the M Night Shyamalan series over like fucking, I don't know, Last House at the End of the Street, fucking 12. Slumber, Slumber Party <laughs> Edition.
2: Yeah, you remember that wrong. I would definitely watch those first.
3: Chris, do you remember about remember about 30, 40 episodes ago when Zach's like, all right, guys, I'm done. Quality over
1: quantity. <laughs> I don't that, know
3: As <laughs> he says on the tail end of Wrong Turn and Saw franchise.
2: The term equality is subjective. If you notice, I've been watching less and less stuff. So I see.
3: I see.
0: Enough.
2: I also can't wait
3: to ask you at hi Alyssa at how many movies Zach that you watch that you hate, but then also give them hearts on Letterboxd. Probably none. There's no films that you hate but give it a heart.
2: I, I, yeah, that's probably true, yeah. That's really interesting. It's interesting because, because now he thinks he has examples. It's no, I know. I why, know why, why, because, wouldn't you just,
3: why wouldn't you just you ask understand. me?
1: Yes.
3: Because, I when I, because when I looked up Synecdoche, New York, you had a heart next to it. Uh, I never said I hated
2: it. I just said I'm not really a fan. Um, You were borderline
3: suggesting that you hated the movie. Mm. We were talking about it. Reread the tapes. Show me the tapes. Okay, I said... I was thinking about... Okay, let's just go it out to read it verbatim, but I said Key New York for the review, and then your immediate response
2: was, Oh, fuck off! My, that is in direct response to Synecdoche, New York, is exactly the type of movie that I would expect you to pick.
3: Then I say, you don't like that movie, question mark? Zach. Don't let this persuade your decision. We could certainly still discuss it. But it ain't getting in, bud.
2: I stand by that.
0: Okay, next thing. Am I? Is my vote that we're going to be the only one that's remaining secret here until the next,
3: end? Next thing. Synecdoche would be a good conversation, but I know that I'm not a big fan of it. There you go. That's not hate. That's not a big fan of it. Oh, so a lot of movies you're just not big oh. fans of? They still get hearts on Letterbox.
2: Do you know why it got to heart? Why? Why did I like get a heart? Timor-Hoff. It's like, I would, I liked that part And the burning house, I like that. So what? Mom, there you go. That's not worth whatever. You're fucked. Hey, what I do with my hearts is my own fucking business. <laughs> As will be reflected later with my star rating. I don't hate this movie.
3: You borderline sounded like you hated it.
2: Hmm. These are a lot of uh, conditional terms. I don't really provide solid. I hate
0: this movie. Do you know the definition of beyond a reasonable doubt, (laughs) (laughs)
2: Jake?
3: I could say beyond a reasonable doubt that Zach hates this movie. And yeah, he's just willy-nilly tossing out hearts on a letterbox. Fuck it. You know, they don't mean
2: anything. Mm -hmm. They don't. Do whatever I want. What, my fucking tube cook? What am I, the creator of Letterbox? I don't have to behold oh. some stupid rule.
0: Except you created a rule that you can only have two sixes a year, and if they are sixes, there have to be number one and two of the year.
2: Sir, I didn't create that rule. Whoever invented <laughs> mathematics created that rule.
0: Oh my gosh. We have to have a limit. We have to have a limited six out
2: of fives. I, I don't care if you have a limit or not. You can give everyone we review a six out of five. I, that doesn't bother me at all. That <laughs> bothers year, you. But at the end of the year, that's <laughs> six. Better be above whatever you've given a five. <laughs> oh, so that you is mathematics. You, okay,
3: so you say, suggest that some rules matter and some rules just don't really matter
2: that's not a rule that I ever said had to be put in stone. But if you will notice, any movie I've ever even six shows up at the very top. Yeah.
0: He's consistent on that. I, I literally, I cannot argue.
3: So is your... So your top 100, is it just going to be a, a ranking of five-star movies? Probably, yeah. Yep.
0: Mine's not. (laughs) Mine's going to be all over the place.
3: Oh, mine's definitely not.
0: I might even have like a two in there.
2: See, then I would argue. If it's a two, how can you even say that you really love it?
0: Zach, what was that series that you were watching before Saw? Slumberhouse Massacre? Yeah, I love them. Was there not one in there that you said was a bad movie, but you enjoyed?
2: It's possible. I won't say I didn't say it. So if you said it was bad,
0: (laughs) you would rate it poorly. But you enjoyed it.
2: No, no, no. Because I enjoyed it, I would rate it favorably.
0: Oh, gosh. All right.
2: Because that's what my star rating is a reflection of, how much I enjoyed it.
0: Before we hop...
2: I'm allowed to be the- some critic who just is doing it based on its merits. It's what I enjoy about it. All
0: right. I have a hard time believing that you would rate any of those movies favorably, but that's okay. I am have reason to believe that there is beyond a reasonable doubt that you would rate that movie poorly.
2: I think you're wrong.
0: I'm going to go fill up my water bottle before we hop into Cyndicock, New York.
3: He looks so good purple.
2: (laughs) I think you should you know nonchalantly try to fit in five references to Grimace while he's sitting there doing a review.
3: Five references to what? Grimace? Grimace. Yeah. It was grim. Oh, the uh, the Ronald McDonald character. <laughs> what was that? Oh, shit. Do you remember being when we were younger that there being that Ronald McDonald adventure movie that we watched? Yep. What was that movie? I have no idea. That just came back to me. When you said that. Was it the Wacky Adventures? No, that can't be it. Maybe it was the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. Oh, that's a show. I don't fucking remember, dude. What is he doing? What is he doing? I don't have my thing. I don't know. What is he doing? Is that a karate belt he just pulled out? <laughs> is Chris have a white belt? I was going to say, is he a white belt? Was that your white belt in karate you just pulled out?
0: Yeah, I was taking classes at the Y. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, uh, they're face masks.
3: What's a oh a sem? Senp- are you a sempai, Chris?
0: <laughs> that word makes me feel so uncomfortable.
3: <laughs> it's like a it's like a, an assistant to the to the master, and Dwight is one. He's a senpai to his to his children's karate instructor.
0: Oh, fuck, that's right, dude. That episode is so fucking funny.
3: It is a good one.
0: Uh, and, no, I wasn't. I took karate when I was in, like, first or second grade for, like, three weeks, but they wouldn't let me kick or punch anything, so I stopped going. Oh, that's so lame.
2: <laughs> is that why you broke some guitar with a baseball bat? Because you were just...
0: Oh, my
2: God. I never
0: did that. I never did that.
2: Oh, gosh. How mad you get whenever it's brought up leads me to believe that maybe you did do it.
0: I didn't. There's only one. There's one. I broke Chippy's wrist in football. I sprained Avery Wallace's arm in football. You're pretty aggressive. I sprained some kid's tailbone playing uh, tackle football once. And then that was about it. The, 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 okay, I remember how this whole shit started. Okay, I was sitting on a bus one day with Ben Tyre, and we were on our way to school, from school, whatever. We were on the bus, and I'm sitting there talking Already to him. Already
2: the details are muddied.
0: I was sitting there talking to him about this time I lived on 2nd Street, and there was this kid who lived across the street from me who we weren't really big fans of. And whenever he, he would like would not stop bothering us, he would like come over and This throw- kid has a
2: name, and I believe it was Marcus Sutherland.
0: It potentially could have been. Say his name, Chris. But he came. He was coming at us one day, and like he would b- bother the neighborhood sometimes. And yeah, there was point. So you times thought
2: you just had to take care of him, show though, him once and for intermi-
0: all. I wanted, I just want to preface this by saying, intermittently, me and Marcus were fr- uh, friends on and off when we were kids. But we weren't. When we weren't friends, I didn't want to see him.
2: So you and, and Marcus had an on again, off again relationship that ended in violence.
0: There was a couple incidences that made me not want to be his friend anymore. So one day he came over to our house, and we had marble slabs underneath our deck. So we pull out the marble slabs, and we were keeping them away. We were like, yeah. And then I told Ben Tyre that, and somehow it got twisted into breaking his arm with a baseball bat, which never happened. It never happened.
2: I like my story more than I like yours.
0: Oh, I'm sure you do. Because I've been told that I broke some kid's arm with a baseball bat since I was in fucking like, second or third grade.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a perfect segue.
3: Hey, guys. Ready to talk some Snetzki New York now?
2: Set the
1: scene.
3: All right. So Snetzki New York is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Stars... Philip Seymour Hoffman, Catherine Keener, Tom Noonan, uh, Michelle Williams, Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, The plot synopsis is a theater director struggles with his work and the women in his life as he creates a life-size replica of New York City inside a warehouse as part of his new play. Chris, what did you think of Synecdoche, New York?
0: First off, terrible movie title. I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick. It's terrible. Okay. I know.
2: I mean, not exactly. I'm sorry. It's actually a pretty fitting movie title.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying it's not fitting. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it's dumb. Synecdoche, I've been thinking about how to pronounce that word. I've even gone on Google, and I've pressed a button, and I forget how to pronounce Synecdoche, (laughs) and then... You know, I have to re-look it up every single time I come in contact with this movie.
3: Wait, so because of your struggle to grasp the English language, it's a terrible movie title?
0: It affects my viewing of the movie title, yes. It's a bad movie title. So
3: is so is the town Schenectady, New York? Is that a stupid name for a town?
0: Yes, dude.
3: I will yes. agree with him there. That
0: is a stupid name for a town. It's a stupid name for a town. It's a stupid name for a movie. Anyways... Dude, Jake, what the fuck? What?
2: what? Do you see what I mean now? Do you see why my initial statement of, oh, fuck off, is now more uh, more meaningful than ever?
0: <laughs> what the fuck, Jake? Why?
3: I think it's oh, an amazing movie.
0: It's not amazing, first off. In the first part of the movie... It- it seems very just doesn't take itself seriously. And then towards the end, it takes itself very seriously. Yeah, it deals with some very dark themes. And it's interesting at points, but it's disgusting in the beginning. Not even an enjoyable like way, in a way that makes me want to pause it, walk away and come back to it once I'm able to come back to
3: it. Wait, what are you referring to?
0: The whole entire thing with, like, his sickness, and you see green poop, and you see him going through his poop, his pustules on the side of his face, him digging at his skin. Like, it's just gross, and I don't get the whole thing about the house on fire. That was not entertaining to me at all. We
3: can talk about what that might mean.
0: I was not a fan, although I do love the acting performances. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. (laughs)
1: What? I already knew
3: what I was getting myself into.
2: I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, I'm pretty much in agreement with Chris here. Which usually doesn't happen. I'm not really a fan. I think in its best moments, this is Charlie Kaufman doing his best impression of Spike Jones, and in its worst moments, it's utterly unbearable, so... Yeah, it's, I, but like Chris said, I do love the performances. Philip DeWolfman's great. I mean, it's great. I like Samantha Morton. Um, but, I mean, I do agree with Chris that the beginning of this movie, and for most of it, I mean, for the most part, I like the humor. And but the humor does give it this tone of, like, it's not taking itself that seriously, but then the end is taking itself very, very seriously.
1: Well,
3: this movie is a masterpiece for so many reasons. Um, if we were doing our top 50 of the decade from 2000 to 2009, it would be in the top three easily.
2: Wow. Wow. Easy. I... Easy. <laughs> wow. Easy.
3: Easy. Oh, my
0: God.
3: Yep. Easy. Uh, there probably be, there will be Blood would probably be in there, uh, definitely Key New York, and I don't know what the other third one would be.
2: I don't even know how you can say the name of this movie in the same caliber as a movie like it will be Blood.
3: Well, so I think the genius thing about the movie is that I think it works on a lot of different levels, and I think that there's a lot of different ways to interpret it and I wouldn't say that any one way is the right is right or wrong and I think what's also great about it is that you can come back to it at different parts in your life watch it and get a completely different thing out of it than what you saw before and that was definitely my experience this time around so this is my second time watching it i still think it will take like a third or fourth watch to grasp a lot of the things that are in there but i think a lot of stuff is coming together for me um so chris you talked about what the burning house means the ever continuous burning house
0: i don't get it at all like i just i don't even get like it seems like in the beginning that they're trying to be playful with it and I don't get why. I don't get well, its meaning. It
3: definitely well. I mean, it definitely is obviously. You know, it plays for a joke, of course, at first. Like yeah. this, like this ridiculous sort of um, surreal imagery. But realistically, like when you so like when you look at the movie as a whole, like what it's getting at, and sort of um, being obsessed with death, being obsessed with your own death. Um, I, th- I think it stands in for a motif as. Because uh, what she's taught, the real estate says something to the effect of, um, you know, it's really, it's really, like, I, you know, Hazel says, I like this house, but I'm afraid it might I'm afraid it might kill me or something like that. And then the house says, yes, it is a very important decision how one wants to die. So I think, so at the house, I think represents sort of as a standing thing about the choices that we make in our life, a lot of them. We know it might not be the best choice. We know it might ultimately be harm to us, but yet we still make those decisions. We still let it affect us. We still carry it through our lives until ultimately it ends up being our demise. And there's a bunch of things I think you could substitute that in for. You could think of it as like, you know, working a dead end job. You know, you hate the job, but yet. That comfortability of having that one job for your life, having maybe some financial security, taking you all the way through, even though you know the job's terrible for you, you know you hate it, you know you want to get out of it, it's still this comfortability, like this safety net that you fall back to until so ultimately you just end up dying at that
0: job. Oh my gosh. That just think, seems so wow. It just seems like – I'm not going to say it's a reach because it makes 100% sense, what you're saying. It just – it doesn't seem apparent in the movie that that's the case until the end when she dies.
1: Yeah, I
3: mean I think there's a lot of things that – there's like some dialogue that like comes into a port, and then I think just like – I think you have to like – I think what's hard about this movie for certain to grasp is like I think you really have to take steps like all – Step very far back to look at the things as, as a whole, right? I mean, then that comes back to to the to the you know synecdoche. and you know, the, you know, meaning that parts of the whole or parts parts of the whole describe the whole or vice versa. So I think you really have to step back to understand the whole of it, and then you can go in and start seeing these little things scattered throughout that help build that narrative.
0: ugh, it just seems so off-putting. I just, it's just like, and there was, there were, I can say that there were, like, redeeming qualities of the movie. Like, I, I loved in the end when it took itself seriously. I was a big fan of that portion. Like, in the very last sequence, from the moment he decides to take a step back from being the creator of the play and just go into being a character of his own creation. That, everything from that point on, big fan of. Granted, he, it was like the last like 10 minutes. I would say, I think, right? But
2: I I agree with you that that is probably the best part of the movie. But at that point, it's already like so far gone. Like lost me. That, like I don't care. Like I think the number one thing about this movie, like that sits so negative with me, is that like I just don't enjoy watching it. I don't understand. How like this is a movie that like you would want to revisit. Like I saw the one time, it was like <laughs> okay, like and then I see it this time, like this is not a movie I ever wish to revisit.
3: Really? Cause I think there's like so much packed into it that I want to constantly rewatch it to like look for little things and like piece it together, figure it out. I guess
2: I think the movie thinks it's deeper than it really is. I, I think the death stuff is spot on, but I think that's pretty much all it's about. What? It's all about the cycle of life. It's all about death's connection to birth and how for most of all of time you spend your life either waiting to be born or not existing at all. And like there's just a bit of time in between that where you actually are alive. And like that's based what the movie is getting at. It, it takes the longest, most convoluted, most unpurposeful, like, sorry, unnecessarily purposefully confusing way to get there. And I just can't get behind it. I mean, I
3: think that's, that's like I said, like, I think there's a lot of ways to interpret it. Like, that's one way to interpret it. I think another, like, another way thing to look at is, like, what happens, like, what happens to somebody when they become so obsessed with their work? And like the negative consequences that that has on one's life, and like the pursuit of perfection, and how that pursuit ultimately ends up in something that's imperfect.
0: Well, it just doesn't seem like his attachment to his work affects his life negatively. In how does it anyway. not
3: affect his life? He lose. He's like he he loses two marriages. He has two children, one of which he confuses for the other daughter. There's another daughter who dies from cancer, and he never sees them. I would argue that he his, can't have a he can't get an erection without crying.
0: I would say that his first relationship wasn't over because of the uh, his his work. No, it totally is done.
3: Why? How? Oh, as a look, I think, but he, I think he's always on the pursuit for something perfect. Like I think even with his street, what is it? Uh, not streetcar named Desire, but the first play that he does. Death of a Salesman. Death of a Salesman. Thank you. Like that, like I, there's definitely like I think something like he like wants it to be perfect and amazing, and his wife like shits on it. Plus, like her life as an artist, like in her pursuit of perfection, like in her career takes off while his, like I think he still has a successful career, but I don't think it's where he wants it to be.
0: Yeah, but I don't understand how that's his work ruining his life. Mm. I think that's just him.
3: Maybe, okay, maybe in that beginning point, but definitely once he starts to take on that play, though, like, he definitely yeah. loses that marriage. He loses connection with his family.
0: I Yeah, no, definitely the second portion. Like, his work becomes his life at that point, and he has a hard time. Not distinguishing one from the other because he seems to be very, you know, attached to the idea of what's reality and what isn't, which is – would have been an interesting place to go, but I'm glad they didn't because it would have been very confusing. But I don't know. I feel like his attachment to his job – which then became his life in the second relationship he had was ultimately the downfall of the relationship. But I would still argue that it wasn't a relationship he wanted to be in in the first place. So that was something of his own choosing that was, again, his own fault, not the fault of the work itself.
3: Oh, I don't know. I didn't get that. I got that his obsession with this play and like, well, because like, right, he's like trying to perfectly capture life. Like he wants to capture it so badly that he ends up – it ends up being a detriment to his play because the more the more brutally honest he tries to be with himself and about life through the play, it just becomes a, a more and more impossible task to capture. Thus having a negative effect on his life.
0: I guess. I don't know. I didn't really see that in it. It just kind of seemed like confusing and muddled to me. So I wasn't able to grasp that conclusion because it seems like there were moments where he wanted to focus on his personal life. And then there was moments where he wanted to focus on his work life. And then there was moments where it wanted to pull back a little bit and focus on a bigger picture. And then there was moments where it wanted to really like dive deep in and focus on him as an individual. And it seemed like it was trying to do too many things. But
3: even, like, his personal life, like, I think that was all in an effort to get back into his play. Because, like, right, these little things happen, but then immediately the next scene is then him trying to recapture that in the play. I don't and think not And how it just doesn't work out quite the same.
0: But I think he has a good time separating his personal life from his work life. I don't think that's the issue. Like, I don't think he's letting one bleed into the other. I think. Oh, one, I don't know.
3: I got that, but he's that, that the two are definitely bleeding together.
0: I would say one is shaping the other, and then one ends up taking a a bigger portion. After at the end there, once everything starts to get out of control as far as what he's trying to do with it, but beyond that, I would say that he's very, he's very experienced. It seems. Or he, he knows how to separate the two because it, it, you don't see him in his own personal life trying to be like, oh, this would make good stuff for the play or something along those lines. It doesn't seem like he's letting his work life bleed into his personal life. If anything, he's letting his personal life bleed into his work life too much.
3: Right. Well, that's the point, right? Because he's literally trying to make a play to capture the reality and the truth of life. His life. His life, Yes but in effect he thinks he's getting at the truth of life in and of itself.
0: The fact that I'm still confused just kind of kind of does it for me. I'm sorry.
3: Another interesting thing that I found this time around watching it was I think one way to look at it is a movie about a person a person growing more and more delusional and crazy from the perspective of the person going crazy. Because if you think about like other films, like normally you're through the eyes of some other character, or you're like a bystander watching it happen, so like, you understand that, that that that's what's happening to that person. Whereas in this movie, like, it's from his perspective, so you don't so you might not necessarily think that he's crazy, and he doesn't necessarily even think that he's crazy because it's from his perspective.
0: Yeah, I was that's I would say that's one thing that was positive about it in the beginning. I was talking to Alyssa about it actually. Was like in the beginning, he was mentioning something about like the two differences between psychosis, the P S Y, and then the just the S Y. And I was like, they do um, a good job of getting into his what's the like the thing where you feel like you're sick all the time and you have a bunch of different diseases.
3: Like a hypochondria.
0: Yeah, I was saying like they do a good job of putting <laughs> you in his hypochondria. Because, like, you yourself are questioning whether he is actually sick and whether he is dying. Because there are many examples of things that you're you're looking at him hap- happening to him in the beginning and many, like, physical ailments that he has that, you know, easily could be symptoms of a major disease.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: and he's going to see all these doctors that are giving him indirect answers, which is just feeding into his inability to nail something down you know yeah and i think
3: that conversation is also important too because his daughter asked well are you sure you don't have both
0: yeah which is what you know that was one one of the redeeming but qualities of there's the movie. some
3: interest so there's a couple of interesting things that i was reading about so one is um um so there's a there's a psychological condition where you start to believe that the people in your life are being replaced by different people so as the movie goes on that literally happens where he's substituting people out for their own actors so that he can like step back and like watch them so like literally people are being substituted out for other people and then that grows and that builds up until the end where one of the things of schizophrenia is hearing voices and like them telling those voices telling you what to do so at the end he literally becomes a different character With an earpiece, and that earpiece is telling him everything to do and everything to say until ultimately,
0: you know, it ends. Yeah, but there's an explanation for it,
3: right? So it works in the context of the play, but I think even the play, right, is is a thing of his own delusion, because you can't, like, you cannot do a scale a scale replica of New York in that warehouse. And then within that, where in that scale of New York, have the warehouse where within that warehouse you then build another replica of New York. Like it's not possible. I don't
0: know. I just kind of went along with it. I was feeding right. into what was happening.
3: Well, like, well, that's a natural thing, right? Because if you were if you were going through this delusion, that would just seem natural. That would just seem normal. You would just go along with it because nothing seems that. Nothing seems crazy to you. The person who is crazy. You know it what always was, seems crazy
0: to everybody else. then what was the whole thing with his daughter about how he had like a homosexual lover? Yeah,
3: that's like that's like part of like Jungian psychology.
0: Oh gosh, this is too much for
3: me. <laughs> so there's like so much like packed into it, I think that it's like intended to be. I mean say what you will about whether like you should get everything you need to on the first watch of a movie and whether it would – I feel like we've had that conversation before on the show saying how you need multiple viewings to see something. I think, Chris, you were arguing that that's stupid, that you shouldn't – a movie shouldn't take multiple viewings to get it. You should get it all on the first viewing.
0: I mean like – watching a movie and getting the general gist of it all even in one way shape or form i feel is something that's necessary i don't think you get that from this if you go on one you watch it again and you get something else from it and you see you know more less important details and it forms a bigger picture for you that's great but like i didn't i didn't get anything locked down
3: from part like well part of me also doesn't think that this is a type of movie that you're supposed to like watch it and then be like yes i get all of that and this is this this and this and this like i think i do think some of it is supposed is intended to just be like a feeling to capture a feeling like you feel lost and confused and frustrated which is you know reflective of what caden is also feeling feeling lost and frustrated
2: and Frustrated, confused. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't say that there's many points in the movies where he's feeling like uh, lost in an indirect way, not in like a – I don't think he feels like he's lost in his work. I feel like he's very adamant and very confident in his work that he's doing.
3: But I feel like he feels like he's lost in life, which is why he gets that yeah. self-help book. So like you feel lost in the movie because you're not understanding what's following along, but he feels lost and like he's just aimlessly floating through life, not really knowing what's going on.
0: Then if you focus majority of the movie on his life, that would be one thing, but you're focusing a lot of the movie on his work, which is being translated – or no, his life is being translated through his work. So I guess indirectly you're getting his lost feelings, but it didn't really connect with me because – you know, when you break it down, yeah, the guy had a lot of lot of big problems. Like, he had a lot of problems, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> it just kind of seemed – I don't know. Like I said earlier, it just it seemed kind of muddled. Like, it just couldn't nail itself down and commit to one thing in the beginning.
2: Do you, Do either of you ever feel bad for Philip Seymour Hoffman? Do I ever feel bad
3: for him? Um
0: Yeah. I don't know, I I guess.
3: Like I feel like I def I guess I feel bad in the beginning. Where he thinks like there's things going on but his wife isn't like is not taking him seriously. But then it's hard to know, like maybe like he's been doing this for years, so she's just kind of shrugging him off. It's like fuck, this is just something that he always does. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. I felt bad when he came in contact and had that conversation with Maria. Was it Marie?
3: What at the very end?
0: Yeah, at the, no, not at the end. When he like goes to Germany to see his daughter.
1: Oh
3: yeah. Because yeah, he sees yeah, like yeah, the yeah.
0: tattooed photo of her, and she's like, "Why would you tattoo her? She, he's, she's four fucking years old." She's like, "No, she's eleven, dude." Which still is, like, way out of the, you know, something you should do for an 11-year-old girl. But, like, I'm sitting there and watching this entire thing, and I'm like, she seems very unhealthy for any person. She seems shitty. Yeah. And then when you come around and his daughter's dying because she has, like, cancer or so, or no. No, because her tattoos are, like, getting infected, which is, like, spreading throughout her body. And, you know, this woman lied to her saying that her husband, her dad had, like, a homosexual relationship, which is why he left, when in fact they left. Right. <clears throat> it just seemed like – she seemed like the only true bad person of this entire movie.
3: Yeah, I guess there are, like, moments that I sort of feel something for him. You Do you not? Never? Not once? No, no I don't. But I was just curious. But I understand because you hate the movie, so he just. See the fact that the fact that before this that you were trying to build it up like no no I don't actually hate this movie it's just like
2: like no, yeah but then I rewatched it, it's it and it's fine
3: it's
2: like, I I'm getting very close to hating it that's what you should
3: have just, you just yeah. said to start it off you should just having this whole pretext of no I don't actually hate it like as my star rating will reflect.
2: I just I don't, I don't know. I I'm not you're both certainly entitled to think whatever you want about this movie. Yes, yeah, America. But a lot of what you're saying feels a lot like potentially reading into things to justify saying that it belongs in the top three of your top fifty what? of a I don't <laughs> think I'm reading into anything at all. Like this is all there. It also just seems like a way to kind of let Charlie Kaufman off the hook for making a movie that's purposefully convoluted and ultimately just boring, I think, for see, a lot fact, of it.
3: But see, from my point of view, the fact that you don't have the intelligence sack to dissect this movie... And that's really what this is about. <laughs> really? This it is a movie like for you just people hate to it. sit
2: and feel good about themselves, like, look at me, I'm so smart, I love this Charlie Kaufman movie, hoo, hoo, hoo. look at me sitting on my fucking ivory throne, like, it's, it's it has qualities that I absolutely cannot stand, which is just being quirky and weird for the sake of being quirky and weird, and it just has this air of pretentiousness around the whole thing. I, and really off-putting most of the time. I can say this. Then there, are, there are moments when it doesn't feel like that, and, like, it's actually kind of lighthearted and funny. Like, there are moments that most of them are towards the beginning, but, like, when things are just starting to, like, get going, and it's like, you know, like, they're walking down the street after uh, they see his play. And, like, his parents are behind him arguing, like, what they should say to him. He's like, you, really? Like, you didn't feel like it was too long? She was like, no, you can't say that to him. Like, there are, there are genuine moments of, like, oh, that's pretty funny. But then, like, most of it is just, like, this air of self-importance and grossness that I can't stand.
0: I can say that I'm tired of watching. If I don't have to watch a movie about artists for a while, I would be okay with that. Artists, well, about, artists about their art.
3: Well, the next movie we're watching is The Artist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. And then we're going to watch 8 Mile.
0: <clears throat> that? <laughs> Don't, you can't even compare. Don't even try, dude.
3: Well, even if... Even though this will not get into the Hall of Fame, I will say this is... We, this has been a better conversation than say Goodfellas would have done.
0: Perhaps, yeah. Okay.
2: Or like I don't really what, think anything negative about Goodfellas.
0: You guys would have started jerking off Scorsese the entire time.
2: Uh, I'm I'm the only one here who didn't like The Irishman, so it's not gonna be me jerking them off.
0: Well, all right, no no arguments. Um, well, Zach,
3: do you have anything really to say out? You've been very quiet this review. I
2: I like what Charlie Kaufman is attempting to say and, like, attempting to do. I just hate how he does it. And, like I said, I think at its best, the movies are – the movie is his best impersonation of Spike Jones, which he will never amount to.
0: How does I, I don't understand
2: that tonally? A lot of this is very tonally similar to Spike Jones. Okay. All right. But I guess even it kind like, of makes sense cool. though,
3: right? Because Spike Jones has directed two of the two of the things he's written. Yeah, it was certainly
2: something I expected watching it, but I think. Spike Jonze just knows how to handle it. This is also the first thing he's directed, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some sometimes it does feel very plainly,
3: plainly shot and what, but it feels way more about something about like the ideas and the dialogues that's coming across to you than anything else. Um, I don't,
2: yeah, know. I, I don't feel like anything in the dialogue is all that deep. All they all they do is talk a lot about death.
0: You know, who I was thinking of when you were saying Spike Jones, Spike Lee came to mind.
2: Yeah, it's just like Spike Lee. Both well, spikes.
0: That makes that makes sense. All right, now who I was thinking
2: of? I was thinking of that dinosaur from *Lamb Before Time*. He's also Spike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of Spike Jones when I hear the name Spike. I think of Spike Lee.
2: I mean, he, he is perhaps more recognizable.
0: It's better.
2: Well, I, all I can say is that I'm very
3: happy that Chris finally watched it, and uh, I'll sleep happy tonight.
0: I am, I am interested in giving it a second view, which will happen a long, 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 long time from now. I want to be very clear about that. But once you've, I, matured, once you've matured a little bit. Yeah, what well, once I, you know, I get my college education, <laughs> I'll come back and I'll re-watch it and I'll see if there's anything I wasn't smart enough to pick up on the first time.
2: <laughs> yeah, Chris, once you finally get that G D you might be ready for this movie.
0: <laughs> oh gosh.
2: But have you
3: guys have you guys seen like being John Malkovich or adaptation or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I'm not an Eternal Sunshine fan.
0: I've tried. I, I already
3: I, f- I already could have guessed that.
0: I've tried to get past the fir- uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but I always get like 20 minutes in and I stop. I get to the scene like after the train ride, and then that's that. And then I always shut it off. I don't know why. It's not that I don't like like what i see it's just every single time i'm like it just seems like this is going nowhere
2: have you seen anomalisa
0: no um i think that's on my netflix list though
2: it's i mean it's 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 very similar like thematically but i i think it's a lot better
0: well that's a lot more i feel digestible to me because you know it's made out of clay which, she, which is which is puppets, puppets whatever right. puppets whatever but it, it's a lot more interesting Craig, than to watching two people
2: are you a big muppets guy chris
0: no uh sesame street
2: oh, okay makes sense
0: big bird could kick kermit's ass any day no is it because Whoa. it's like
3: yeah it's like the mountain fighting conor mcgregor <laughs>
0: Uh, yes no all i'm saying is big bird big bird definitely has some more back alley experience than kermit does
2: well yeah wasn't the guy who voiced him like a rapist
0: what
3: big bird
2: isn't the guy who voiced big bird like a criminal
3: oh i feel like maybe i've heard this before no way
2: let me look this up i'm almost certain like that that is true big bird actor rapist Maybe he's not a rapist, but I I definitely feel like he's a criminal.
3: Mm, wait.
0: Carol Spinney. Is that his name? I think that's the guy.
3: Might have killed somebody.
0: What? Yeah. No Oh, my gosh. Uh kids, do um, I have a story for you? <laughs>
3: can't uh shit i'm trying to like quickly find something um i don't know i don't know nothing's popping up here Mm. shit i definitely saw something like some like thing trying to get me to click on it about him potentially being a murderer
0: yeah but i also saw something that said mr rogers had like 37 confirmed kills in vietnam or some <laughs> shit so
2: you're not wrong
0: wait Maybe what <laughs> am i yet? not wrong about that? like that did that, that actually happened
2: no that didn't actually happen but like you're not wrong like those rumors did exist
0: okay i just want to make sure i wasn't crazy But we can all agree that Marilyn Manson can suck his own dick, right?
2: Okay,
3: so... So, okay, so here's an article um, from 2005. First first line reads, A man charged with kidnapping a jogger told investigators he accidentally hit her with his car and only tied her up because he was trying to hide the body, which was found in a shed owned by a Sesame Street performer. Hold up. Um... Oh, so I guess the body was found on the property of that actor.
0: But some other guy hit her and then tied her up, put her in the thing, and his excuse was, well, I had her tied over my trunk because I hit her with my car.
3: Yeah, so I don't – so I guess he didn't do anything, but there's suspicion about why he would be found on his property.
2: Oh, this might have been what I was thinking of. The guy who voiced Elmo – had people step forward that said you was a sexual abuser. Okay, I feel like I've heard that too he before. has since been cleared of the charges.
3: Okay, okay, I've also heard that Marilyn Manson took out his ribs so he could suck his own dick. I That is one of the things I would actually believe. So, who knows what, who knows what, when you look at the
2: internet. I also read that Bill Cosby drugged a bunch of women, but you can't believe everything on the internet, so. <laughs> my
0: fucking gosh, dude.
2: I
3: also read that Fauci knew about the coronavirus all along and let it happen.
2: So many th- so many great things you can read on the internet. Yeah, like about Angela Jolie's pussy trolls, you know, there's all kinds of things you could read. So yeah, many and things. like
0: like fucking drinking, you know, eight beers a day makes you a quote-unquote alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> like I read that the other day.
2: Did you know actually that Technically, like, the way it's defined medically, like alcoholism, if you were to drink two beers every day of your life, you would not fit the qualifications. But if at least twice a week you had three or more drinks, you do fit the qualification.
0: Twice a week?
3: Three or more drinks twice a week.
2: Or, sorry. three If th- three times a week you had... Three or more drinks, you fit the quote unquote medical definition of suffering from alcoholism. But if you only had one to two drinks every single day, you do not fit the qualification for alcoholism.
0: I trust him because he had to take a class.
2: I did, yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 You had to take a class! Oh, gosh.
3: Yeah, it's like I only like I only smoke weed once a day every day, so I'm not a drug yet. I'm not a pothead.
0: <laughs> oh gosh.
2: You ain't smoking anymore, but you I ain't or- smoking any yeah. less.
0: I, I ordered this. Uh, I ordered earplugs online the other day.
2: Like for so your could, gauges?
0: No. <laughs> yeah, for my gauges, sure. Um, but like, so I could like put them in, and I could have not have to listen to anybody when I'm just like reading or some shit. Oh, that's why you uh,
2: wanted earplugs? Yeah. So you could plug out sound?
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) If that's how they work. But I ordered this thing online so I could put it on my keychain so I could carry them around with me everywhere. And I got this little jar. And I got the confirmation email saying that they arrived. And I looked at the little jar and it was just like a portable weed jar.
3: Yeah, that's what it looks like.
0: Apparently... So I'm going to be carrying this around on my keychain, and people are going to be like, dude, Chris, like, you you ready to fucking do this right now? You want to party, dude?
2: <laughs> Why don't <laughs> you just spark another doobie, you fucking junkie? That Man, looks I'm, more like it'd be a better Coke vial.
0: Don't threaten me with a good time, okay? Chris puts that right
2: in the Flonase bottles and just <laughs> right up the nose.
0: I learned everything I know from movies. Let's just say that. Excellent. But yeah, I'm gonna carry my earplugs around in this bed. People think I'm a pothead.
2: Wait, so when you go to work, you plan on putting earplugs in? When doesn't that prohibit some of like what you have to do for your job?
0: Sir, I'm trying to rent a car. I can't hear you. I'm sorry.
2: It's the earplugs.
0: You see the plugs? They're in. This this is a no go zone right here, okay?
3: Except your ears would be plugged. You'd be like,
0: what? (laughs) <laughs> I've got in! You want to rent a car? What did you say? Yeah, but I'm excited.
3: Um, Alright, well, circling back, let's just get this fucking over with. Um, star ratings for Sonetsky, New York? Two. You're a pussy. You want to give it a half star. Just fucking do it. I'm not gonna. Just fucking do it, you pussy. <laughs> I'm just not gonna. Do it. Just fucking do it. <laughs> um, oh, the two and a half. No, you guys are cowards. Such cowards. Two and a half?
0: I you, said you're... there were redeeming qualities of this movie. All I right. did say that, did I not?
3: Chris, you talked more than anything, anybody, so I'll give you the two and a half. But Zach, you're a coward. <laughs> fucking hard on letterboxed. Get out of here. I'm not gonna um, move, remove it. No. I'm, bu- no I'm, I'm
0: bumping my star rating down. It's to a two. I okay. That. Thank that.
2: Thank you. That sounds if well, I ever right. On, if I ever use Letterbox, I'm gonna get everything hard.
0: <laughs> if you ever use it, there's no record. Stopped. There's gonna be no record of what Zach has rated any of the movies besides what we've done on the podcast.
2: As in everything's gonna get harder. As in you've stopped using it? I haven't used it in a while.
0: Really? Last thing he logged was Wrong Turn 2. I keep looking every day because I'm like, as soon as I start using it consistently, one of the people who shit on me for not using it stops.
3: Yeah, why'd you stop using it? You just don't feel like it anymore?
2: I just didn't download the app when I got a new phone. Oh.
0: You writing it down on a notepad or something?
2: No, I just have a sharp memory. Yeah, okay, sure.
0: <laughs>
3: sure. Um, oh, I'll give it a million. Um, and does it go into the Hall of Fame?
2: Not in a million years.
0: No. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> All right, well, we'll circle back. When Chris does Gangs in New York, I'll do Sonetsky New York again.
0: <laughs> I'll trade you my vote for yours. <laughs> It's n- still neither one is getting in, but it's the symbolicism that matters.
3: You know what, Chris? I might, I could take you up on that deal.
0: It's a sense of unity, you know.
3: I it's could, still a no for me on both of them. I could still potentially I could take that deal.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. All
3: right, let's move on. Um, it's time to ruffle some feathers with my next pick. Oh yeah, yeah what's right. yeah? Really safe bet that you know everybody's just gonna vote
2: easily. Mm. It's time to make Chris watch some things you would never watch on his own. No, actually,
0: listen, I already
2: broad have, life, right, you already have one in. You already have one in mine. I'm getting closer and closer to it. Okay. We'll See what happens.
3: Is it the? too Is it the McPherson tape?
2: <laughs> nope. It is two girls one cup.
0: It's going to be a 10-hour loop of uh, Keith O'Sullivan jumping into that Christmas tree.
2: Oh my god, that'd be amazing.
0: <laughs>
2: All
3: right, let's move on. Let's talk about some other things that we watched this week. I have, I will be honest, I had, Um, it was a busy week for me, so I only have one thing to talk about. Potentially yeah, two. I don't, I, have, could... I don't have much either. I could dip into some things I didn't talk about last week. I didn't have a lot to say, but I could contribute something if you guys
2: had some things to talk about.
0: I got I might West dwell Wing. dwell on the
2: past, you know. You what? I said, I I might got, dwell on the past, you know. You right.
0: I've got West Wing and The Sopranos. I can pump the Wait, brakes on West no, To be fair, is technically, isn't this
3: show nothing but reflecting on the past? If you want to look at it that way. I guess, because we're not watching the movies live <laughs> and then talking about them as they go. That's a good idea. That might
2: be something we should try.
0: We did the Oscars live.
2: Live <laughs> audio oh. commentary. We can do a commentary track for a movie.
0: What do we do? Like Anything. Shrek 2? I don't
2: know. We could do Shrek 2, yeah.
3: Can you buy the rights to a Blu-ray so we could put our audio track on it and then put it back out in the public? We could. We would have to bootleg them. How would it work? Okay.
2: <laughs> we would could have to remove.
0: Right? Can you act- buy rights to a Blu-ray movie like really cheap? No, you could not. Like even just like a a, a really 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 bad movie. You
3: might be able to buy the rights to Wrong Turn 5
0: fairly easily, maybe. I would gladly. If I could get my commentary on that, if I could do that for cheap, I would. If I could do it for, like, $250, $300, buy the rights to it, done deal. But I, don't know, like,
3: but I don't even know, like, what what is buying the rights to a film allow you to do? Like, just show it in public places?
2: This is why we bootleg like, you. We can do whatever we want to it. <laughs>
0: This is like a like a, a modern day Be Kind Rewind.
3: Yeah, what is that movie about? I've never seen it.
0: It's about um, most deaf, or at the time most deaf. What is he now?
2: Yasin Bay.
0: Yasin Bey and uh, Jack Black. Oh, like Jack Black runs this like, or no, Yasin Bay runs this uh, rental movie store. And Jack Black goes in being magnetized, wipes out every movie clean. So they film their own movies of the same exact plot and characters. Oh.
1: and they
0: just remake it. And then people in the neighborhood are just like, yeah, this isn't bad. we'll, we'll take another one. And they keep renting and making money off of it until like the company <laughs> comes. It's like, OK, like you can't do this anymore.
3: That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: what would you guys watch then this week? I watched the rest of season two and season three of Dexter. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Dude, you really pounding in on that. Well, season three is not very good, so I want to get through it. How many seasons season are there total? Eight. No shit.
0: Not even halfway through, Zach. Are you still committed?
2: I'm halfway through season four, and this is so far the best one. Right.
0: Season four is always the best season of any TV show.
2: John Lithgow's in it. He's he's the best. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's right. He's Dexter's father? No. He is a other serial killer. Who Dexter admires, right? Kind of. He figures out that he is just like Dexter. Because Dexter has doubts that he can be a serial killer as, as well as a husband and father. Then he finds this other guy who is doing the exact same thing and is like... He's like, oh, I can't have those things.
0: So it's his mentor?
2: Everyone needs So, I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. He just figured out this guy is married with uh, kids. So... But yeah, it's... You know... The one thing I'll say about it is that... Um... It's rather, like, predictable, like, in a good and a bad way. Like, it's pretty easy to figure out, like, what's going to happen. The unpredictableness is how it happens. So, like, someone starts sniffing around and, like, finds some stuff about Dexter. And you're like, okay, well, he's going to have to kill this person. But the surprise is like, oh, how's he going to do it? And how's he going to make it look like it wasn't him? And all this stuff. Which is basically, like, he is caught in the act by a guy, and the guy is, like, they, like, become friends, and the guy is, like, a district attorney, and he keeps feeding him, like, criminals, and is, like, yeah, you can kill this guy, and hey, you can kill this guy, and it's, like, you know, eventually, he's gonna have to kill this guy, because he knows too much about Dexter, and it's just, well, how's he gonna do it? Because this is a very powerful man in the city of Miami, so what's gonna happen?
1: (laughs) Hmm.
0: It does sound intriguing. There's that's just, that's there's just like Breaking Bad to me. I've, tr- I, I've tried and I've wanted to, but I've never actually done it.
2: I, I would say it's very similar in a way. Like, you know, they get themselves into these predicaments that's like, well, there's no way you can get out of that and it's like they find some way to because the show would be relatively boring if Dexter goes to jail in the second season. So
3: That's true. Mm-hmm. Arguably, and arguably, you don't have a show anymore. That's true. Oh, I guess I'll jump in here. I watched um, Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis. And believe it or not, Chris, this is my first time ever watching it. Seriously. Seriously, never seen the Back to the Future films. What'd you think? It's got this charm to it that, like, it's hard to not like it. Yeah. Like, just, like, fun and, like... You're
2: gonna ruin your party, because I do not like Back to the
3: Future. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. In the slightest. Um... Like, I like it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's got some pretty heavy provolone cheese in it. Like, anything with, like, Marty McFly's relationship stuff and, like, just how fucking cool he is and all these other things. Like, that's pretty hammy. But in terms of, like, the time travel itself and, like, just trying to figure out, like, oh, how is he going to get his parents to fall in love again to – so that he can get back in time like so he can like pres- like save himself and that stuff's pretty interesting but one thing that's i found really funny so at the end of the movie when marty is trying to get back to the future and he goes to doc brown right and they have to go to the bell tower to set up that contraption yeah it is amazing how much drama they inject into that scene oh gosh yeah so for one like it's already enough drama that the mic, that the um the um the uh the um uh, the deLorean there we go that the DeLorean won't start right that's already enough drama but then to proceed that the cable comes unhooked So Doc Brown has to climb to the bell tower to rehook it, right? Yeah. So that's already pretty intense. But then to add to it, the ledge he's standing on breaks.
0: Oh my gosh.
3: (laughs) Then he's hanging on for dear life. But not only is he hanging on to dear life, trying to reconnect this so that they can get off the bell tower by 10.04 while the DeLorean won't start, the cable is slipping from his foot. I am just gripped right now. Then he gets that all figured out, but then they get to the ground level, and the cable is still not connected properly. <laughs> it's just all these things that they keep compounding. It just becomes so ridiculous that it's pretty funny. And then it all perfectly comes together at the right moment for him to get back to the future.
2: It's pretty great.
0: That's incredible.
2: Chris, are you familiar with suspension of disbelief? No. So it's the idea that in order for, you know, like a movie to work, there has to be things you're willing to just accept. Like, for example, that Doc Brown has created a car that can travel to the future. Okay. You with me so far? I can live with all of that stuff. And There's a lot of things in movies that I can just live with. But the one thing that I would actually like an explanation to is why is this 16-year-old have a best friend who's, like, 55. (laughs) I would like to know how they became friends. Well, like,
3: if you think about... well, So if you think about how when you go back in time, right, you're not... Like, that's just your future, right, going back in time. So, like, he says, like, when you get to the future, like, you have to talk to like you have so that makes sense that like they would be become friends right because marty goes back in time to meet out know, doc so then doc goes forward with his life and then later he would inevitably become friends with marty because that would complete the loop
2: yeah but i really don't want to, to put that together myself i would just like a little bit of explanation like how do these guys even, just just how they met
3: listen You know how they – you can kind of guess how they – or well, I guess you don't know how they met at the beginning, but it kind of makes sense that they would have to meet and be related just because of the whole – so what gets me thinking is like when Marty goes back in time, you're just essentially creating this everlasting loop, right? Because Marty comes back and sees his past self going back in time to then start it all over again, right? So wouldn't thou that Marty – be on the same trajectory that he is now. He's just ahead of it. It's like, isn't it? A, wouldn't this create creating this
2: loop? It's basically interstellar. <laughs> <Perfect>.
0: <laughs> I really like that comparison. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? I am I wrong in thinking? Am I wrong in thinking about this?
2: No. Or wouldn't I mean, Wouldn't that mean that? No matter what Marty does for his parents, that Doc Brown is always going to die. But he doesn't die though. We get shot. Yeah, but he doesn't die. And if all he does continue that loop, he's always going to get
3: shot. But he doesn't. But he doesn't die because when Marty goes back, he writes in the note, which then Doc couldn't help but read. So he wore a bulletproof vest to that first meeting, which meant. This has been a continu- This has been looping.
2: He breaks rule number one. You're not supposed to meddle with things. He's not supposed to do that. Everyone knows that. It's true, but he does it.
3: And Doc Brown doesn't heed his advice because he reads that note.
2: Just a lot is- of those things like, like that are very 80s. That you watch them now, and you're just like, oh, that's kind of weird. To like, his mom, like, to really bad and that, like, he gets to save her from being raped and, like... Or just, like, how cool it is that, like, to, like, play in a rock band at your
3: high school talent show. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like, it's, like, part of me thinks that, like, Robert Zemeckis didn't get that chance and this is him living vicariously through that. He definitely
2: was a big loser and this is me like, I'll show them how fucking cool I was.
3: <laughs> like, it and- also... It also seems crazy that his parents are the creepy guy from Charlie's Angels, and that girl, and then Mari McFly grows up to be this really hot, sexy, cool guy.
0: Yeah, there are weird kids out there like that, though. Oh, right. That that's that's actually happened before. Name two. I'm not gonna publicly say people are attractive. Are you kidding me? Well,
2: you say <laughs> what their name rhymes
0: with. Okay, no.
3: No. Is your own girlfriend one of them? Are her parents really weirdos?
0: No. Uh, my girlfriend's not even that hot, actually. <laughs> they're, de- they're decent looking people. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, you think Alyssa's mom's hot, dude?
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, because... Friggin' him making one of the most iconic movie of the 80s wasn't good enough. He had to show everybody how cool he was through a movie.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, very quick to change the subject. Okay.
0: Yeah. You know who did the <laughs> score for this movie?
2: Who Lewis you the news?
0: Alan Silvestri. You know what else he did the score for? Planet of the Apes? The Avengers. Oh, that's right.
3: Oh. So, Zach, you don't like Back to the Future, though? No, not really. So that's interesting, because on January twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen, you gave it five stars and a heart. That's really interesting. (laughs) I'm a mystery. What can I say? Really interesting.
0: Very interesting. I do want an explanation to the old man best friend thing, though. Yeah, it's weird. Like, do his parents do do his parents know about him? No, Doc Brown. Does Doc Brown come over for sleepovers? Like, Doc Brown clearly do they have a a regular relationship? Was he this, had to seek him out because of the loop. Did this start off as like some sort of internship or something that from <laughs> from there became something else?
2: I'm telling you, man, it's because of the loop.
0: You don't know that from the beginning, though.
2: Yeah, exactly. The-, the first ten minutes, your first thought should really be, "Why is his best friend a hundred years old?" I definitely did think
3: that, but then by the end, it makes sense because it creates a fucking loop.
0: Oh, well. You know my why favorite the, part of the entire movie Why is the coolest is...
2: kid in school, why, if he's so cool, why is his best friend this 100-year-old disgraced scientist? Because of the loop. Well, in that scenario, Dr. not even his friend. He's just using him because he has to.
3: No, Marty's using him.
2: This movie's fucked. <laughs> You
3: know what my favorite part of the entire yeah, movie but, is? Yeah, five stars, though. Five stars in the heart, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it, yeah. Sorry, Chris, what's your favorite part about Back to the Future?
0: Doc, are you saying it's 8.05? I'm late for school!
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of cheese in it.
0: Oh, shit. Good flick, though. Good flick.
2: You know what's fucked about this? Let me tell you. It's
0: fucked about it? <laughs> so,
2: the same guy who is so willy-nilly with his star ratings and put six out of fives at number, like, 13 of the year is so quick to hold everyone to what they give a movie, but he doesn't hold himself accountable for what he gives a movie. I've, I've said, said i put six out of okay. five right wherever I want. Let me hold okay. this person to something that they rated over right two here. years ago.
3: Let's stop <laughs> it right here. Because let's take the Beach Bump for example. That's a six out of five for me. I'm not currently to this day being like that movie's fucking garbage. You know what know what's so bad about it. Okay, so maybe I put it number third on my top ten list of the year. Big fucking deal. It's not like I'm saying that it's a shit fucking movie. I never said that, I just
2: said, I just said I don't care for it.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay, sure. Yeah,
2: it's the in Two years, it's it's possible to reflect and be like, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm not that crazy about it, and then just, my first thought after thing that is not immediately, like, oh my god, I have to go into my Letterboxd account and change my star rating from a year and a half ago so that nobody knows I gave it a five when I'm going around now saying that I really don't care for it. Like, it's not really my, yeah, my, my at least, thought. You should at least
3: head. re-watch it within two years and then be like, oh yeah, no, I'm right. All those things I was thinking about definitely doesn't hold up. Yeah, you're right. I don't. I definitely don't like this movie. Then you can oh, do not. give it a fresh rating, a fresh review. Nope. My time is valuable. I'm not wasting it. Or at least acknowledge it and be like, you yeah, know, actually – yeah, Jake. Actually, you know, I watched this movie a couple of years ago and I really liked it. But now that I've thought about it, I don't really care for it. So you now know, it started out, started out being "Starting to rain on your parade," but this movie fucking sucks.
2: Oh, didn't say that. So now, now when you review something, I have to take into account every time I've ever reviewed possibly the same movie and be like, do you a know, history of where I was versus where I am now with that movie.
3: There might be some good pretext, you know, since we're running a fucking podcast. Talking about movies, creating content to, to discuss. So just blowing it off. This podcast is dead. This is, like a, this is the last ten episodes max, maybe. More. <laughs> Shut
2: her down, bud. It's dead. It's over. It's fucked. Oh, shit. Motherfucker to cook. Get it
0: out of here. It's done. Oh gosh, you guys are crazy. What'd you watch, Chris? Um, I watched The Wrong Missy on Netflix. That uh, David Spade movie. What is The oh, Wrong okay. Missy? A guy meets the woman of his dreams and invites her to his company corporate retreat, but realizes he sent the invite to the wrong person, who is another Missy that he dated three months prior, who is just wild. I can say this movie is a very bad movie. It is <laughs> bad. But having said that...
3: How bad? Like five-star bad or two-star bad? I,
0: like, like this movie... Okay, here's, here's what I'm going to say. There are... This movie made me so uncomfortable. This movie was... As a whole, there were a lot of points that were meant to be really funny, but I just did not find the humor in it. Mm. But having said that, when I found humor in this movie, I lost it. Like this movie <laughs> <laughs> at points is so incredibly funny. She is a the woman in this movie has this persona, I think it's called, like, Nightstar, or whatever, like, and she goes in, and she's pretending to be this, like, satanic person, and then when she does it, she takes her hair, and she puts it over her, her, uh, lip, like a mustache, and puts, like, rose petals on her eyes, and she's, oh, my gosh, <laughs> It's a fucking ride. I don't even know how to explain it. There's a point, like, Rob Schneider's in it, and he got his uh, fingers bitten off by a shark ass, so he's just doing, like, the, you know, <laughs> the, like, fucking... Hang,
2: lo- hang loose.
0: The hang loose symbol.
2: This and sounds like he looks all at him, of the guys that used to be funny, like, 15 years ago, and then you're like, They're making movies still, but they're just not changing anything about, like, their comedic approach. It's still the same things that they thought were funny 15 years ago.
0: That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yep. But, like, moments that are funny are so funny. Like, there's this one part where he's doing the hang loose symbol and he goes over them because they go into the shark tank. And he's a guy who takes you out to go check out sharks. And they throw him down into this cage and, you know, they're going to go down and they're going to get attacked by a shark or whatever. But, like, Rob Schneider is just like, if you see, if you see the shark down there that took off my fingers, t- tell him I said this. And then he just goes, he just goes like, hello, what's up, bro? And then he just keeps going. <laughs> And I lost it. Oh, my gosh you got to give it a watch if you're willing to kill a couple hours, or hour and a half. It's, a, it's hour 31.
3: Are you a Ridiculous Six fan,
2: Chris, or have you seen it?
0: I have not seen it. I oh. don't want to be disappointed.
2: Chris, are you a Dickie Roberts former child star fan?
0: I have not seen that one <laughs> either. Oh, man. I've seen Sandy Wexler. If that means anything to you? Is that I, good? I, I, I thought it was okay. It's not good, but I it was entertained.
3: I feel like I remember Rachel saying she watched that a couple weeks ago, actually, believe it or
0: not. You guys should check it out. <laughs> take Wexler? some take some time out of your busy, you know, Dexter schedule and Cyndicock, New York. And then <sighs> There's just so
3: many one. other things I'd rather watch than Sandy Wexler. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably. I'm not even saying Sandy Wexler. Watch this one.
3: Like Back no, to the Future 2
0: a- and 3. For example, you are guaranteed to get a laugh out of this movie. Do you think I'll
2: ever finish Dexter if I keep taking breaks to watch Sandy Wexler?
0: No, but like the thing is that I don't understand why you're watching Dexter in the first place. So
2: I don't understand why you watch this. Dude, it's funny.
0: (laughs) What do you That's the thing, though, is I don't understand what you're getting out of Dexter. I'm getting a laugh out of this movie. Technique. Technique. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I... Fuck, this got dark quick. All right. <laughs> um. Definitely watch it if you want to laugh, because I, it's um, you're going to laugh at some point. That's all I'll say.
2: That's a selling point. Nice. Hey, in this ninety minute comedy you might laugh once.
0: Listen, I don't get people that want to watch a comedy and like expect to laugh the entire time. I don't understand it.
2: I think it's more about the ratio.
0: What what's the ratio?
2: Like the amount of times they make a joke versus how many times you laugh.
0: I would say this has a decent ratio, probably like for every five jokes they make, you laugh twice.
2: That's not a very good ratio. Forty percent of the time what you, do you
0: laugh. That's pretty good. If I'm sitting there for a, a, a two hour, if I'm sitting there for a, a two hour long movie, and I laugh for forty percent of that movie, for forty minutes, that's the it's that's the time right? 50, 50 minutes. No, fifty,
2: 50 minutes. minutes would be more than half. So you would okay, laugh. Uh, so if you said two out
3: of five, so for for 50 minutes you'd laugh 20 minutes of that.
0: Okay, so I'm tr- sorry, fuck math, shit. Uh, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. So if out of this I'm laughing for 40 minutes, that's a solid movie, dude. That's got some. That's got some decent comments to
3: it. Something I was gonna ask. Oh, why do you think it is that like? Almost every comedy, like the beginning, like half an hour, is like pissing your pants laughing, and then the end is just like. Eh.
2: Plot. because. It's
0: yeah, not like, plot. It's it not is plot. plot. No, no, At a certain
2: a- point, they have to resolve whatever sort of thing that they have started. And it becomes more about just resolving that and wrapping it up and, like,
0: making I'm, jokes. I'm confident that you could, sol- you could solve one of these movies, not even plot-wise. Like, yeah, you have to have the, like, couple minutes dedicated to plot to kind of sum things up. I get that. But, like, I'm confident that you could make a movie where you don't play on that as much. It's just because you get used to the characters and you get used to the jokes that they're playing. Because when you sit for somebody for two hours and they're just talking and talking and talking at you, which is essentially what this is. Why do you think why do you think comedy specials aren't longer than an hour?
3: Like what movie do you think you've seen well, where Well, okay, oh, no, no, left? No, no, no,
0: no, no. Okay, I guess that, that has different. To do. No, 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 that's not different. If somebody was sitting there, I, if you every one of these comedians has 2 hours worth of comedy. Do they want to do a 2 hour special? No, but it but they definitely could. There's so, a difference between be a, with Chris for this?
2: a stand-up special and where's like your like the sole purpose is the laughs. I would argue there's more to a comedy than just the laughs. Like you, you know, you might be trying to get there's there's a definite story that you're telling. There are stand up special,
0: there are two types of comedies. There's the ones that focus on the plot, and then there are the ones that focus on the jokes. The ones that focus on the jokes, like let's put it this way, Will Ferrell. The first time you saw him, absolute riot. Will Ferrell now, it's like a movie he was making now. Like The Other Guys, which is a really funny movie, were to be one of the first movies he ever made, that would have been one of the best movies that he'd ever done. But it's like The Law of Diminishing Games. You can only watch so much content from one person before it starts to lose its luster.
2: I'm not disagreeing with that.
0: I would say comedy. I would say comedy careers have a shelf life. And even within a movie itself – you can't make a two-and-a-half-hour comedy, a two-hour comedy, and have it be funny the entire time.
3: Well, I think comedy careers have a shelf life if you're only telling the same kind of jokes.
2: And, Chris, you're most certainly right. As we learned two weeks ago, we reviewed the Judd Apatow movie. You cannot make two over two-hour comedies that are consistently funny. There's there's a lot of walls, but it's not funny.
3: Like, are there any comedies that you can think of, Chris, where it's consistently funny from like start to finish? Big not Daddy. Not many.
0: Um. <laughs> Big Daddy's close. Like Billy. Yeah. Ma- Billy Madison. Billy Madison. No, has a that bulb. definitely it's...
2: tails towards the last thirty minutes it has not a... being that
0: funny. Yeah. Like um. Anchorman. Anchorman's Billy. consistently airplane. Lil' Nicky? Lil' Nicky. It's f- way funnier in the beginning.
3: Definitely way funnier in the it's beginning. Can't
0: argue funnier. that. But, like, there are definitely movies out there where it's, like, consistently funny. But like, Is
3: Anchorman? I feel like Anchorman definitely drops off. Like, when he's like, gets fired after that, like, I just don't feel like – I don't think it's as funny.
0: No. I think it is. I would say that the whole entire movie from beginning to end – it's just as ridiculous as the next thing, and it's consistently funny throughout because, like, they – they and they threw so many big personalities into a room, and they have so many different people telling different kinds of jokes from different angles. Like, it's all wacky and off the wall, yeah, but it's different people from the time, so, it, like, it just, it just works.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, part of me is almost afraid to revisit Anchorman.
0: I get it. I was afraid to rewatch Step Brothers. Because I was so afraid good. it wasn't going to work out. That's another one that I probably would say from beginning to end is one thing is just as funny as the next.
2: Dumb and Dumber.
0: Yeah. Ace Ventura. Yes, she, Ace Dumb Ventura, Ventura, Pet
3: is, is definitely a good one. Pet Detective is definitely good.
0: Um, I There's probably... Mm,
3: I think it's that hour and a half, hour twenty runtime too that really helps.
0: It has to be, like, there's no way somebody could make a two-hour-long comedy and have the jokes be consistent like every moment throughout. Like,
3: what's Anchorman? Anchorman's got to be two hours. And like, the
2: thing I, is I that love that you're saying this because you were saying the exact opposite just two weeks ago. What? Two weeks ago, you were defending the claims that Knocked Up is funny all the way through.
0: And I may have been over exaggerating for for the moment, but
3: you're playing, a, you're doing a bit.
0: I would not say I was doing a bit, maybe just lying.
2: Oh, that's good.
0: Knocked up, knocked up is very funny. There are there are moments in that movie which aren't funny, but I would argue that that movie is more plot based than you know joke based.
3: Well, oh, that lying? is definitely very heavily plot. You're right.
0: And it's very difficult for a movie based on plot to be consistently funny for two hours. This is definitely true. I mean, of course it is. Am I ever wrong?
2: No. It's a good point. Can't think of a single time.
3: (sighs) It'd be you, Zach.
2: All right. Let's get on to the main event of the evening. Uh, this week I finished Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, so I watched the movie. Excellent. And <sighs> I really like Chamber of Secrets.
0: Heck yeah, dude.
2: I was Chris I I, I suppose um, don't get used to this. But I suppose that I owe you an apology. <laughs>
0: oh, let I'm me pretty- get let me get like a post it note so I can write this date down.
2: Because I believe when you had watched these movies, I had told you that they were bad. Yes. And I was I was wrong. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed Chamber of Secrets. It's two hours and 40 minutes, which... Oh, wow. Is it that long? But... Is that the, that's the standard theatrical cut, or that's the
3: extended edition you watched?
2: That's, that's the theatrical cut. Whew. And like, but, like, I will say, like... It didn't ever feel like long. I-, I watched it in two sittings, so like maybe that's what did it. But. Oh God. Um, I still. I just there's something about this idea of the Chamber of Secrets that I just think is really cool. Like this big snake. That's okay. I do not believe that a snake is. A forty-foot snake, nonetheless, is slithering through this castle, and no one has seen it. Like it Ooh, was using the, the, she's, she's the pipes. Well, yeah, I get that, but it, it comes out of the pipes <laughs> to, to strike these students. Like no one saw like part of its body or like part of its tail or, or anything like that. that
3: that's how good. That's how
2: good it is. And then I will say that. The ending does feel a bit rushed and, like, kind of forcing Voldemort in there. But all in all, it's just – it's good fun. That's true. Mm-hmm.
3: Every movie does try to shoehorn Voldemort in some way, somehow. Yeah.
2: Except for the third one. but He's not in there at all. It's Peter, more about Sirius
0: Black. His lackey, Pierce, uh, fucking – Peter Pettigrew is attached to Voldemort in an indirect.
2: Please, Chris, no spoilers. I'm about to start that
0: book. You've read the <laughs> third book, dude. Uh,
2: I forgot about Dobby, and that's that's definitely a good part. I like Dobby; he's cool. I do not buy that like anyone feels devastated by his death in the seventh one. Spoiler alert. Cause like this is really the first time, the first and only time you see him until that happens.
3: I, uh, e- uh, yeah, fuck, you're right.
0: I uh, when he died in the seventh one, I remember sitting there and like when I watched the movie, I laughed as it happened, and because like I mean I'm the, not gonna laugh
2: at him, but like I'm not I'm not devastated.
0: I, I laughed because Dobby was like, Dobby is your. Friend, and I just <laughs> lost it. I fucking lost it in theaters. And then some girl was sitting next to me and she gave me the dirtiest look with like tears coming down her face and I was like
2: How, How f- f- fucking dare you you piece of shit. Dobby D- D- was his friend.
0: <laughs> Fuck you dude.
2: dude. I will say one of the things that bothers me is like so Lucius Malfoy is like the first time you see him And he's supposed to be, like, this all-powerful, like, dark wizard who everyone kind of thinks still has ties to Voldemort. But, like, for someone who's, like, this big, powerful guy, like, he wears some of the dumbest hats I've ever seen. (laughs) His hat is the problem? Like, it gets to the point where it's very hard to take him seriously because it looks like he's wearing the hat that the fox in Robin Hood wears. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Goddamn Brits. <clears throat> that's funny. But yeah, other than that, it's a good time. It's a real good
3: time. I do like the Chamber of Secrets. It's a good like story and good mystery at the heart of it.
2: Aragog's pretty cool. They're, some of the special effects do not hold up, but
0: uh, they use hey, kind of I some, guess that's to be. They use some practical effects in this one though. Well, like, like the, you with the car snake. Pretty bad. Yeah, the flying car is pretty bad. How
3: are you watching these, Zach? I own them. Blu-ray, DVD,
2: 4K. I don't think there's a 4K release. There's the
3: whole. There's a whole box set of them in 4K.
2: I would not own that.
3: I, I don't know. I don't know what you buy when you find deals. Not
0: those. Not those. Blu-ray.
2: Yes, yeah, somewhere.
0: He doesn't want to admit they're DVDs. You're, they're digital cards. They, they are not DVDs. Okay, Zach. You're st- I- <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink for those who are listening to this.
2: I also he- borrowed them from the library. <laughs> I'm also still not a big fan of the Lock Lockhart. Like, you're not supposed to be, but, like, I don't know. So it works. Damn, perfect movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was better in Dunkirk. That guy's, that,
3: that guy's in Dunkirk?
0: Yeah. Oh, he's that cap He's the ship captain, right? He's one of the captains for the British.
2: Harry Potter is not in Dunkirk, Chris. Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if he was, that war was over in, like, a fucking second, dude.
2: He would just say it's Belly Armist to the Germans and it'd be over.
0: They were just watching they were just watching the Jews die as that happened. <laughs> to get back into like how selfish the wizards are. They were just watching millions of people die. Well I'm sure they weren't watching. I'm sure that some of them were up to snuff on what was going on. You think Malfoy was? No, I bet I bet all wizards hate Jews. How come? Here's a question. It looks like you make that statement. That's how they let it happen. They could have stopped six million people from dying, but they didn't.
3: Here's a question. How come? Like, how come the Wizarding World is of this world, but like, there's no televisions or anything at Hogwarts. Like, why does it seem like you're stepping back into the 1800s? Like, why is it all candle lit and there's no Televisions and they listen to the little, like like the fucking I mean,
2: like old record
3: players with the uh, televisions
2: are muggle inventions. They, what does a wizard need a television
3: for? But why wouldn't a wizard have its own version of that then?
0: Plus, like, I'm, just, I'm I'm and this is just me speculating. I'm assuming the wiring in a castle isn't really great. That's a good point.
3: Why do you need wiring? You're a fucking wizard. You could do like. Ma- like magical light bulbs that don't need wiring. They Same pan- thing with a television.
0: What would that spell be?
2: That's true. Like, when Harry Potter is in the restricted section with a with a big oil lamp, like, it probably would make a lot more sense for him just to have, like, a headlamp that he put on his head. Yeah. Or, like, why isn't he using He's his wand to, like, illuminate so- things? Why does he have a big
3: yeah, Lumos,
2: lantern?
0: Dude. Yeah, they do have a lot of things in this universe that are inconvenient to them, but they don't change.
2: Okay, well, okay,
0: no, no, no. Or no, there's a more convenient so, solution.
2: I think you could argue that human, the muggle human beings created such a to make their life more convenient. But if you can use magic, your life is already that convenient, so there would be no need for you to create such devices.
0: Then why walk around with an oil lamp?
2: So, like, yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> but, so, like, there's no need for them to in, have invented, like, a, a wizard cell phone because it's already super easy for them to communicate with each other.
0: Plus, if there's, like, a magic dark web, I'm sure there's some hacker out there that could figure it out, right? But
3: Like, why would not television, though? Like, are you just saying you could just get, a, like, a fucking... Magical play to perform in front of your eyes. Or you got Quidditch. I guess why'd you watch TV if you could just watch
2: Quidditch, the World Cup? And also, Harry's very busy getting into mission. He doesn't have time to watch TV.
0: And they don't need to, like. like,
2: Also, Why why does no one ever think about that? Like, you know, every time Harry Potter seems to come to our school, things really get so fucking awry. Maybe we should not have him back next year. Why does no one ever say that? Like, four years in a row. Harry Potter has come to the school, and something terrible has happened.
3: Wasn't well, it more related to Voldemort than related to Voldemort than Harry?
2: <sighs> Voldemort wants Harry, and, this, and at a certain point, you have to stop risking the lives of all your other students for the sake of one.
0: Hold on, I just got a quick question: If there was a Horcrux living inside Harry, that—that that is the case, right?
2: That is. Yes. I, I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know.
0: So that is the case, Jake, right? Yes, it is. Spoilers. Then, how come they wouldn't just let Voldemort kill Harry so a Horcrux could be destroyed? Well, they have no concept of a Horcrux
3: at all. Some of them
0: do. Dumbledore does.
3: Dumbledore – well, they don't know Harry's a Horcrux until later on. Well, I guess Dumbledore knows. At that point, why
0: don't they just go, here, fucking kill him, do whatever you want with him. It's not like he's going to, like – but he, but he is. But the they don't only one who can defeat him. Right. He can't, so they
2: can't let him Why? die. Why? Because that is the concept of the chosen one, Chris.
0: One can't live while the other lives. Why? Yeah, Harry Potter has to die in order for him to die. But they're both but, living. It's just, it's a weird gray area. I don't understand it.
3: I mean, oracles and and prophecies, you know, don't really make a lot of sense in actuality.
0: I guess so. Chris,
2: you just got to accept it, all right? If you can accept that they fly around on broomsticks and they perform magic out of this piece of wood, why is this something you're having trouble with? Yeah, Chris, do you know, I don't understand the concept suspension of
0: disbelief. Yeah, (laughs) do you know what that is? Listen, there's something cool. All I'm saying is that I feel like there's something cool about people flying around on brooms and, you know, using pieces of wood to shoot out fire and shit. But I feel like somebody making an orb saying, this is the prophecy. That's not that cool.
2: Because he's the chosen one. He has to bring balance to the force.
3: <laughs> but then anytime you have a prophecy, right, then it always gets into questions of, Fate versus whatever the opposite of
0: fate is. That's what I'm saying. It rises more questions. Choice versus it. fate. There you go.
2: Okay, well, these are also, you know, uh, books for children. So I don't really know if J.K. Rowling is that interested in distilling these ideas of fate versus free will in nine-year-olds. Or well,
0: maybe that's the problem, Zach.
2: Yeah, maybe that is maybe-
0: the problem.
1: All
3: right. All I'm gonna say is Harry Potter would definitely didn't get it right. Where there should have been things with like little magical devices. When he goes back up to go to bed, Seamus is jerking off in his bed with some porn. Yeah, what's wizard porn like?
2: Dirty. It's kind of.
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny.
0: Like, they have, like, the Daily profit, so even their picture porn is still in motion. It's even,
3: like... That's true. That's a good point. Like, their center... The Wizarding Hustlers?
0: the centerfolds would be really good.
3: (laughs) Oh, man. That's some freaking shit. And, like, what, like, the weird terminology for shit? Like, why is, like, kissing called... Like, why is it called snogging? That's probably a British thing. You think so? I think so. Do you think snogging is a British word?
0: Because it's the sound they make when they kiss, because they're British. Snog, 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 snog.
3: Oh, yeah, to snog, to kiss and caress amorously.
2: Well, there, that's the qualifier. It has there to be amorously.
3: Go. It has to be amorously. Awesome. That's ridiculous. Um, I'm tapped for the week, boys. Oh, I can I can briefly mention I watched the first two episodes of Solar Opposites. I did too. Uh, the by, cr- co-created by the guy, one of the guys of Rick and Morty, Justin Rowland. Uh, what did you think of it, Chris?
0: I thought it was funny.
3: Yeah, I I think I like Rick and Morty a lot more.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have a drunk uncle or drunk grandfather, so I feel like that's really what pushed it over the edge for me.
3: I feel like it's not as. I feel like it's not as, like, in-your-face and as, like, flammatory.
0: I really like the conflict and personalities between Rick and Morty, but in this one, everybody just kind of seems to be on the same page, so I feel like less abrasive humor.
3: Yeah, I'm also not as crazy about the constant, like, pop culture references. Yeah. And, like, satirizing of American life. I, sometimes it feels too on the
0: nose. I can definitely see how Justin Roiland contributes to Rick and Morty, but I feel like it's the small things that Dan Harmon brings to Rick and Morty that this is missing.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But there are some great things. Like I love like the uh, like the little wall that they're building of all the little miniature people.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's an awesome idea. Like that's pretty funny. I I can't wait for them to just do an episode strictly focused on that. I haven't seen it yet.
3: Um, Yeah, I've only seen the first two episodes, so we'll see what's more to – I still definitely would, would like to keep watching it. Yeah. I'm just finding that I prefer Ricky Morty a lot more, and it's so it, – it wears its Ricky Morty influences on its sleeve pretty heavily.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, Alyssa, like, before I started watching this, because she's seen a couple episodes already before I got into it, but she was saying, like, they keep the theme of, like, the funny principal names. Like, in Rick and Morty, it's Principal Vagina, but in this one, it's Principal Cuck. <laughs>
3: Oh, is that what it? oh, that's right. It is Principal Vagina. That's right.
0: It's Principal Vagina, and then they go Principal Cuck, and I was like, oh, that's funny.
3: Yeah, I forgot about that. I like that they carried over some of the voice actors.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not not funny. Like, it is it is funny.
3: Oh, it is funny, but it's just not as – I don't have, like, those gut laughs like I do in Rick and Morty. Whereas this is like – it's like some chuckles, and you continue on, and it's, like, you know, it's still a fine experience.
0: Yeah. I want them to drop season four, Brick and Morty, on the, on Hulu.
3: Well, I think they're still doing the actual season right now.
0: Yeah, they the, they split it into like two sections. They did like six and six or something like that. Yeah,
3: I think the finale is coming up soon. But you can buy the whole you can buy the whole season for like twenty bucks digitally right now. Nah, I'll wait.
0: <laughs> I don't want it that bad.
3: Uh, okay. Uh, other than Solar Opposites, that's all I've got.
0: I've got one more thing. Go Uh, for it. I watched a documentary this week called uh, Gyro Dreams of Sushi. Jiro. Jiro. It's a – oh, my gosh. This dude has had a crazy life too. I was talking about Maya Angelou the other week. But, like, this dude's life was crazy too. He got kicked out of his house when he was, like, seven or nine years old. Really? And he – and he had to work and go to school and, like, get an apartment. And then when he got out, fucking World War Two. <laughs> and then after World War Two, all he wanted to do was open a sushi shop. And he became one of the best in the world. What's so funny?
2: Just this idea of, like, like, <laughs> like an eight-year-old, like, going to work and, like, his boss is all pissed off at him because he's doing his homework on the job and just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> come on, sir. What? But today we're learning we're learning about learning about the states. I just want to know the names <laughs> of the states. Or
2: sure. he like yeah. goes into school like you know, all hung over at eight years old because he went out to work with his factory buddies after his shift last night. <laughs> He goes
0: into school the next day, they're just like, Jiro, like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Sorry. Late night at TGI Fridays.
2: <laughs> yeah, teach, could you team it down? I got a killer hangover today.
0: <laughs> Teacher's just like, hear that one, buddy. No, but it's a, It's really cool. It's, it's like a, the stu- do you guys know, have you guys seen this? I have not. Yeah. It's about this guy who's a three Michelin star uh, chef who owns a sushi restaurant and it's about like the dedication that he has to his sushi and like how he does it and what makes him different from everybody else. And, you know, it's like the the dynamic of his sons and how they started working for his restaurant and, you know, what they're going to be doing once he, passes away because I think he's like in his late 80s or or he's in his 80s at this point at it at the time of the documentary and that was like seven years ago six years ago something like that
3: is this the guy that he owns like the most expensive sushi restaurant in the world
0: it's like two hundred eighty dollars
3: right okay yeah
0: of course and he gives you like twenty pieces of sushi. And he's – and, like, normally when you go to one of these places, it takes them time to, like, cut the fish, prepare the rice, put it together, drape uh, drape whatever sauce they put on it, put the wasabi in there. But, like, this guy is so talented at it because, like, he he makes sure to mention that he does it the same exact way every single time while still experiencing with, like, different flavors and stuff and, like, different fish and freshness and all that. But he makes the sushi the exact same way every single time. And he's gotten so experienced at it and so good at it that he can get through an entire course in 15 minutes, hmm. $280 worth of sushi in 15 minutes. And every single person in this entire documentary that when they went into this restaurant, they said that when I went in, I was intimidated by how like fast he was doing the sushi and how good it was because this guy – it's not like when you think of a restaurant, you think of, like, seats, and or you think of, like, somebody bringing you sushi, or you even think of, like, somebody in front of you making sushi. This guy has a bar of ten seats. That's it. Oh, wow. Ten seats. That is it. You have to have a reservation a month in advance in order to eat at this guy's restaurant. It is crazy, but he's so good at it. Like, his son is going to take over, and... They said that, like, everybody was so scared that once his son took over that it was going to be this big thing. Like, it was never going to be uh, Jiro's Sushi again. But the first time they got three Michelin stars, his son was the one serving the Michelin Guide. So they're like, his son is going to be just as good as he is.
3: Hmm. No shit.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty friggin' crazy.
3: I'd to check it out. It's on Netflix, right? <clears throat>
0: yeah. Only until for, like couple days I think to like the 20th the 21st
3: oh fuck I guess I better watch that
0: yeah it's really good I, I'd recommend it to everybody like the amount of dedication this man because he said that he's been living the exact same uh, life for 30 years he does the exact same things every single day for 30 years
2: that sounds sad to me, but See, I'm glad he's happy. Well, actually, you should watch Key New York, too. It'd be a lot. He could <laughs> fucking <laughs> learn about birth and death. Really good, though. Uh, that, Is that anything else it? for you? That's it. All right. Uh, what,
0: we
3: do, what are we doing next week? So I uh that movie Capone I I'm not like super thrilled about it, but I really don't know what else is out right
2: now. I really can't stand Josh Trank, so I don't even know who Josh Trank is. He's a director. He directed Fantastic Four the remake. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and he's kind of um, an obnoxious douchebag. Okay. Well,
3: I guess we'll have to think about this one. We'll like think long and hard. As if, we, yeah, we'll figure out something.
0: When does AKA Jane Roe come out?
2: I have That's never what? heard of that movie. I don't no. know. I don't
0: know, what, I don't know what that is. Um, it's a documentary from going on Hulu, from FX about the person who was Jane Roe and Roe v. Wade. Like, they're doing interviews with her on oh. her deathbed and shit.
3: Interesting. I have no idea when that comes out. We'll talk about it. We'll figure something out. Just an
0: episode to get you guys admit that you hate women.
3: <laughs> I do. It. I'm the opposite.
0: Zach, and on that Zach, note... <laughs>
3: Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, But until next week, uh, thanks for downloading and thanks for listening. Keep staying safe out there. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.